Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed both in work and life. This is a special episode in two ways. Firstly, this episode is brought to you directly from civil engineers currently working in the workforce. It is kind of the culmination of a discussion that I started on LinkedIn asking, how do you provide top-notch service to your clients? And from that discussion, which had over 20 comments at least, I put together a list of 10 items which I'm going to share with you in this episode, which I do believe that you will find to be helpful. Secondly, this is a special episode because I'm currently in the midst of a trip to Italy, traveling through the country, trying to research my ancestral roots and also connect with family both here in Italy and from the U.S. who are joining us. I've seen some amazing civil engineering feats here in Italy, especially, of course, in Rome. Just amazing, really just breathtaking. And also some amazing sites where I am today here in Sicily. Some of the bridges and some of the drainage features. Only something that a civil engineer going through Italy would admire, but it's been pretty cool. So we're going to jump right in here get to the valuable content that I have for you. But before we dive into the main segment of our show, I want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for the show, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the civil, FE, or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI. They are the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code CIVIL at pptopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, let's jump into our civil engineering conversation segment. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, so now in the main segment of today's show, it's less of a conversation between me and another person and more of like I said previously, the culmination of your comments, civil engineers out there commenting and giving us their tips and tricks on how they service their clients, the top things they do. I've compiled it into a list of 10. And instead of listing the name of each civil engineer that commented on this LinkedIn forum, what I decided that we're going to do is I will link in the show notes of this episode to the whole discussion so you can read through it and see it and everyone can get credit for their comments The show notes will be at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 37, and the link will be listed in the reference list at the bottom of the show notes. All right, so here we go. 10 ways to service your civil engineering clients. Number one, be yourself. That came up a few times in this forum post, and I thought it was pretty important in a world where people often try to be something that they're not or someone that they're not, whether they try to pretend that they know stuff that they don't, They try to pretend that they're more important than they are per se as far as on the food chain in their company or the people that they might know in a municipality. The bottom line is to be yourself and you'll be rewarded for that. And really what it comes down to is being authentic. I know from my experience as a civil engineer, people want authenticity. 
When you're working with a client, they want to be able to shake your hand, look you in the eye, and know that you have a real one-on-one -on -one relationship and that they're getting the real person, not just the person that shows up when the client is there. So be yourself, be genuine with your clients, and that's going to go a long way in helping you to build strong client relationships. Number two, be responsive and honest. This was something that the company that I worked for, Mazer Consulting, Rich Mazer, really, really emphasized to us over and over about responsiveness. Be responsive, be responsive, and be honest. Responsive and honest. And if you do that, you will be so far ahead of so many civil engineers. And I'm not saying that to you know say that civil engineers aren't honest and responsive, but let's be honest here. People are busy. They can't always be responsive. So if you can, you're ahead of the game. And let me just give you an example that I like to use for this one. Let's say that you get a phone call and you miss the call and it goes to voicemail. And then someone leaves you a voicemail and says, Anthony, you worked on a project for us a couple of years ago and we want to kind of rekindle the project and get it going again. Can you dig out all those files? Well, your first thought's probably going to be like, oh, geez, those files are buried away. It's going to take me a few days. But you have two options. One, you can call them back right away and say, listen, I got your message. I'm going to dig everything out. Give me a day or two. I'll get back to you when I have it. Or you can just not call them back until you actually find the files in a day or two. I always opted for option number one, which is to be responsive, get back to them right away, whether you have the perfect answer or not. And this is something that my boss has drilled into me. And you would be surprised how many times when you make that phone call, people say, oh, thanks so much for getting back to me, even though you don't have the information yet. Because really what people want is they want to know that you're hearing them. They want to be heard, essentially. And so be responsive, be honest, be upfront. Even if you don't have the information they need, make an effort to just let them know and forecast for them when they will get it. Number three, the only way to draw attention to good service is when you try to address the problems by optimizing all of your resources, specifically time. So optimization and efficiency are important. And this is someone's that I read here directly. I think that that's totally true. Again, in a world where there's a lot of competition out there, you don't have time to waste at all. Plus, on top of things, you don't want to be in the office, I'm sure, 60 to 80 hours a week. So if you want to service your clients effectively, you need to be efficient. You need to optimize your team, your projects. Where's their redundancy? Are you having too many staff meetings? Are you having people work on the same things? Is your process for your projects good enough? You have to look at every aspect of your project delivery system and make sure that it's efficient because the more efficient and the more optimized it is, the happier you will be and the happier your clients will be. Now, one thing I will say is we're talking about optimizing and efficiency. I think we all know that civil engineering projects aren't cookie cutter projects. So I'm not telling you that you can have a straightforward process that's going to work for every single project, but you can have steps that can be applied to every project or workflows that work. In other words, meetings at certain times of the week or certain programs you use. There can be some ways to build in efficiency, and it's highly recommended that you do that. Number four, one of my favorites, don't assume. Clearly communicate. No surprises. Keep your supervisor informed and document information. This is really, really important. I know I just said to cut out redundancy, which is great, but you need to make sure 
that if you're getting instructions from your client or you're proceeding in a certain manner, you need to be crystal clear that you understand exactly what that client's expectations are. Because if you don't, a lot of bad things can happen. Like one bad thing is you could deliver a project that they don't want. You could do something that's totally off base. And the problem with that is that if that happens and there has a redesign involved that could take weeks, it's going to be a question as to who's going to pay for that redesign. And you don't want to have that happen. So my recommendation to you is at the beginning of your projects, sit down with your client, take in all of their desires, all of their needs. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to engineer all of them because I know that that's not always the case. You need to communicate with them clearly and you need to understand what it is that they want. And then you need to confirm it with them, whether it's an email, write it down on a piece of paper, show it to them and say, yes, that's what I want and get that confirmation to proceed with it. Number five, and I know we kind of touched on this one, but this one's be honest and always tell clients the truth. And I'm going to give you a story on this one. The story goes as follows. When I got my first engineering project to manage, the company said, here's the project. You manage the client, you manage the project, you manage the schedule, you manage the team, you do everything. Naturally, I was excited about this. I mean, an opportunity to manage my first project, and I didn't want to mess it up. So one day the client calls and says, Anthony, we need this plan tomorrow. Now I'm thinking to myself that there is no way that we're able to get this plan done by tomorrow. However, what do I tell him? No problem, we'll have it done tomorrow. And the reason I said that was because I didn't want to look bad. I didn't want the client to be upset at me. It was my first project. I was excited about it. So guess what? The client was absolutely thrilled when I told him the plan would be done the next day. However, he wasn't so thrilled the next day when it wasn't ready. It was a bad scene. My boss had to get involved. My company looked bad. I looked bad. But I learned a very, very valuable lesson that day. And the lesson was, you need to be honest with your clients no matter how good or bad the news is. And so from that point on, if I was ever in a situation like that again, I would say something like, listen, I know you need this plan tomorrow, and as soon as I hang up the phone with you, I'm going to get a few engineers working on it. But I have to be honest and tell you that to do something like this the right way, it typically takes us two or three days. Now, if we can do it faster, we will, and I'll keep you up to date. But it typically takes us two or three days, and that was it. And I started doing it with that client and with every client. I ended up having great client relationships because the clients knew that when they called me and asked me a question, they were getting the truth no matter how good or bad it was. Because at the end of the day, it was their money that they were investing. And they wanted to know if it was going to be a bad move or a good move. So keep that in mind. you got to let people down sometimes, but it's part of being a civil engineer. Number six, be the best at what you do, and you'll never look for work. It will look for you. That's priceless, invaluable advice. I agree with it 150%. The question is, how do you do that, right? How do you be the best at what you do? It's easier said than done, right? One way you can do it is to ask your clients. You know, what do they see in a good engineer? What makes a good civil engineer for you? Most of your clients have worked with a handful of civil engineers, I'm sure. So they're going to say, well, I like when someone's responsive. I like when they do value engineering. I like it when... They spend extra time talking with the municipality to find out ahead of time what's the best, right? You start to collect data points on what makes the best civil engineer in your discipline. 
then you can become that engineer. It's very, very, very important that you do this because once you're positioned as the best in your field, this person is absolutely right. You won't look for work. It will find you because people are going to just naturally flow to you. So find out from your clients. Don't be afraid to ask other engineers that have been practicing for a while in your field. Interview them, ask them questions, ask them to go to lunch if they're local, pick their brains and find out what makes them the absolute best or how do you become the absolute best in your field because that is where you want to be. All right, number seven. This goes along the same lines as efficient, but it's also efficient and effective combined. Identify outline and attend to your work specifically. Deliver on time. Deliver according to the agreed scope of work and adopt what I call the oil and water no-mix principle. In all works, separate project management from project finance. So I think the big takeaway here, definitely from the end, is to separate project management and project finance, meaning your quality of work shouldn't necessarily depend, well, it shouldn't depend on the budget of the project, right? Because that's not necessarily sound engineering or ethical engineering. Now, that being said, there's certainly going to be a circumstance where if the client were to have a bigger budget, you might be able to engineer the site in a little bit of a different way. But that doesn't mean in either scenario, the quality of the engineering should be compromised or rushed because of the budget and the budgetary constraints. So I think it's a very, very important comment, this one. Number seven here is to keep your project management separate from your project finance. And obviously you need to manage the technical side of the project, you need to manage the financial side, absolutely. But don't make them necessarily dependent on the quality of the engineering work. Number eight, listen first. Understand the need. Only respond with a solution or proposal after you understand the requirements. Another really good one. One of the setbacks I think that we as engineers have is it's actually a, it's a positive and a negative at the same time is we're very good at solving problems to the point of we want to immediately look for and solve every problem that we can. And sometimes before gathering all the data, we get on our horse and we start to go. We start to try to solve the problem. And I think that causes its own set of problems because sometimes we may be solving a problem that we didn't exactly, we didn't exactly have or we didn't have the whole problem to be solved. So listen first and understand all the issues before you start to go to work for your clients. Number nine, this topic implies that you are employed by a project management organization. As such, this company has documented policies and procedures in place when communicating with clients. Remember, consultants live and die by projects. Follow company procedures, or if there are none, create them. This is another great one. If your company has procedures for communicating with clients, for workflow processes, for anything like that, you need to follow those. They were put in place for a reason. It will probably make your life a lot easier. If you're not sure if they have them, ask your company. Find out from one of your head technical managers if there are such guidelines. And if there are none, or if you do not like the ones that are there, consider revising them, proposing a revisal, or proposing to create your own. If you start to create some kind of client correspondence workflow documentation in your company, that could get you a major promotion. That can make you really stand out in your firm, and that could really increase the success of all of the engineers in your firm. 
So talk about solving a problem. You're doing it on a much bigger scale. Number 10, last but certainly not least, always forecast problems well in advance and inform the related authorities directly. And always take reference of contract agreement. It will help to gain confidence of clients. This is another excellent point that too many engineers don't pay enough attention to, which is essentially the contract side of it. Absolutely, you want to forecast problems. I remember we used to do that up front in the project. Listen, we know this area has a lot of rock. So, you know, there's a very high possibility that if you're doing borings, you're going to hit rock shallow and it's going to cause XYZ problems on the site. May not happen. We're going to go out and investigate, but I want to give you a heads up on that. Anytime you can forecast a problem and then let the client or your supervisor or the municipality know, that's going to be helpful. That's servicing your client for sure. But then the second part of this last one about contract agreement, start to read the contracts more often. Understand the contracts you're working on. This is a super, super critical item in this episode. A lot of really, really great engineers that I've talked to said that they spend time learning about contracts and the legal side of engineering. Remember we talked about being the best in your field? This can help to separate you because you're different from the rest, because you have that understanding. All right, so those are 10 tips or strategies or really kind of advice from civil engineers that came to me through the LinkedIn discussion that we're going to link to. What I'd like to do now is again recognize our sponsor for the episode and then I'm going to summarize those 10 tips. Our sponsor for today's episode is PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down I recommend PPI. I personally used PPI's materials to pass my exams and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, so just to summarize, there was 10 pieces of advice for delivering top-notch service to your clients as civil engineers. The first one was to be yourself and be authentic. Be genuine with your clients. They're going to appreciate that. Number two, be responsive to your clients. Get back to them whether you have the answer or not. They're going to appreciate it and it's going to grow the bond between you and them. Number three, optimize your time. Don't do any wasteful steps on your projects. Number four, don't assume clearly communicate and get confirmation to proceed before you go off on a tangent. Number five, be honest and always tell the truth. I told you the story about my first project management story. Number six, be the best at what you do and the work will come to you. Number seven, be efficient. Do not mix your project management and your project finances together. Number eight, listen first, understand all the needs before you act on them. Number nine, Follow any company procedures available for corresponding with clients. And number 10, forecast problems in advance and understand contract agreement and law. If you implement just a few of these, I'm sure that your clients will be happy and you can start to build up some really strong relationships with your clients and become a top-notch civil engineer, which is what we're trying to help you do through the Civil Engineering Podcast. Until next week, I wish you the best in all 
of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 